Happy Tuesday. It is about 9 a.m. here, and this episode is a, lo- a little special since we have uh, Elodie Demarchi, who is actually in Paris right now, and we're split between three time zones, and Zoom is making <laughs> this whole thing feel like it's an uh, actual <laughs> uh, in-person experience. But to give a little bit of color on Elodie's background, I met her at Canyon Partners, which is a venture fund in San Francisco about like a year or two ago. And uh, yeah, I mean, uh, just had a good conversation back then. And um, at the time she was working at VMware uh, doing investment strategy. So similar to, I think, corporate VC. And uh, quite recently she moved on to a fintech startup, uh, fintech slash blockchain startup called uh, Kaiko. And she's ahead of growth there. So in in the Startup Minds podcast, we definitely love to talk to individuals who uh, just uh, embody entrepreneurship and yeah, just have like that that go getter attitude, and I think Elodie has that. So, Elodie, how are you? And thanks for taking the time. Thanks so much, Dan. Super happy to you know uh, be with you today, even remotely. You're right. I am currently based in Paris. Uh, as of a, a few weeks ago, only I spent nine years in Silicon Valley before that. Uh, and yes, I love to talk about entrepreneurship. I have a lot of things to say about this. So, more than happy to be here. Awesome. Yeah, I think you know, great Kickstarter point would be. Just if you could give us some uh, information on Kaiko um, and uh, sort of like your, st- your your responsibilities there and, you know, just uh, what we could learn about the company. Yeah, sure. So very briefly, um, I joined Kaiko a couple of months ago as the head of growth. Um, Kaiko is indeed, you're right, a fintech and, and blockchain startups. We are uh, the leading provider of digital assets data in the digital finance industry, what does that mean is, you know, as you know, we are uh, in a digital world today, even more with COVID uh, finance, you know, uh, hasn't been excluded from that. So in the that digital world where we start talking about like digital currencies, um, I'm sure you've heard about cryptocurrencies, uh, Bitcoin, Ethereum, others, all of those like new places where you can trade this kind of digital assets. Basically, we work with all market participants to collect that data, be able to uh, normalize it, store it, and then we deliver that to our clients who use it for you know, trading strategies to make better investment decisions when you deal with digital assets. For sure, yeah. And uh, I think that's sort of like a new thing, right? Like it's, is that industry, um, it's relatively new, right? Like it's only four years old, maybe it's not not exactly. You're, you're right. It's uh, yeah. Bitcoin was created in 2008, um, but you know, talking about digital assets like as a an, its own like asset class, that's super recent. You're right. Like 2020 was a, a huge year for crypto and, and digital assets in general, where you have seen you know a lot of institutions. I'm thinking about JP Morgan, about American Express, about Robinhood, about PayPal, uh, moving into like this new direction and and really you know making a huge difference in terms of like trading volumes and making this asset class as like a really the future of finance um, and thinking about a digital finance economy. That's really like the premise of this that we're seeing this year. It's it's super exciting. 2021 and, and like the years to come are super exciting in, in that sense. Yeah, I guess the, the question for me is, so is, is it something like, uh, you know, the Bloomberg for the digital assets? Is that kind of the thought process here where people consume information uh, or the data, and then they can build, let's say, some you know, models or predictions around it. You're right. It's a very good comparison. Um, we are the Bloomberg, in a sense, you know, with some variances. Uh, we don't have like hardware. There are some differences, but yes, we we are the Bloomberg of, uh, of crypto, in a sense, and we work with market participants in that sense. We 
We also like something really cool and, and you know, that happened a couple of days ago. We just announced a partnership with Bloomberg um, that you probably know. Um, and so we are going to be defining new industry standards with them, like with that partnership. So basically any kind of like new or digital assets that will be identified in a capital market, you know, somewhere in the world will go through Kaiko in some ways um, to have this unique identifier called Figi. Uh, which is huge for the segment. So we are defining new industry standards in the data space, um, similar to what you mentioned with um, with Bloomberg or other uh, similar companies. You know, what I'm curious is like um, how you got into that uh, role and like how you discovered Kaiko on your own. Um, how did that whole thing happen? Yeah, so um, maybe, you know, we can get to that a little bit after, but I spent what is it like I spent six years in banking, traditional banking um, in the beginning of my career. Then I, I spent three years at VMware where I met you, uh, Dan, where I was working in investment strategy and doing some uh, venture capitalist kind of work and uh, corporate venture CVC. And after that, I thought like, look, I've spent, you know, all this time working with startups from like an earlier stage to mid stage uh, at the bank, Silicon Valley Bank. And then I spent three years at VMware working with like a large company, you know, it was like 30,000 employees, $9 billion in revenue, um, close to 58 billion in market cap when I joined basically. And I'm thinking through like, how do you grow like an established company with VMware? You know, how do you um, think about growth in, in that stage and that went through inorganic investment, but you usually call acquisitions. And after that, I thought like, look, I, I understand like that, you know, that life cycle from a startup to a larger company, but um, I, you know, I want to leverage all that knowledge and, and go to a startup and help build that business. And that's where my thought process moved from like, how do you go from like a 30,000, you know, employee company to a 16 people company? Um, and I was looking for, a company in which I would recognize myself in terms of values, you know, management style. And that's what I love about Kaiko. Um, the woman, you know, who's leading the company, Ambre Soubiran, is an awesome, you know, businesswoman. Um, she's very famous in the, in the traditional financial market world. Uh, and I really like the company that she's built and the values that she's promoting. Yeah, that's awesome. I think you brought like something really interesting up where you mentioned like uh, VMware, although it's like a startup it, it, i mean it would meet the definition right like tech company that has like this a pure software and cloud business but um that was interesting how you said you know they were a nine billion company and then you essentially uh <laughs> jumped the boat to uh go into a company that's uh, uh relatively uh or young younger to that um did you have like any concerns if this was uh, gonna work or like, stability purposes, like um, did that go into your like uh, uh, decision Thought process? Yeah, yeah. of course, <laughs> I would lie if I said no, <laughs> to be honest. And that's one of the, the thing I would call, you know, it's a, you, you don't need to start your own company to be entrepreneur. Like you can be entrepreneur in your life in a lot of different ways, you know, with the values or the mindset um, of an entrepreneurs. And, and definitely, you know, like going from a very stable job where I could see, you know, like staying at VMware, VMware is a great company. Like um, I really enjoyed my time there. I had some um, amazing like growth opportunities. I was at the time of VMware, it was like super active. You know, they bought like 20 different companies in three years from a couple of million dollars to a few billion dollars. You guys bought Carbon Black and you were like a part of that, right? Or, like, Correct. 
Yes, I, I led the financial integration of Carbon Black. It's like a $2 billion acquisition um, oh. back in 2019. Um, so yes, I went through some, you know, amazing, um, amazing and very dynamic moments at VMware, but still it's, it's not, it's, it's, it's still like a 30,000 <laughs> employee company. It's not the same thing. And so going from that very stable and, you know, I had quite a, I had visibility into like what was coming next, going to like a startup where, you know, that there is a limited runway, like, you know, I'm not going to lie, like, Kaiko is an amazing company. They managed to raise like 5 million in seed, which is really good for, you know, especially a European company. But I do know that there is like a limit in time and also um, that it's completely new. Like, you know, when you're 18 people, like I am a little bit of everything. I'm I'm partial, partially CFO. I'm head of growth, meaning like I, you know, um, create efficiencies in our sales motion cycle. So, you know, how do you grow your client base? Basically, I do PR. Um, I also, we're fundraising for our Series A, you know, it's going to be like, you know, quite large Series A in the US. Um, I'm also working on that, like on the deck today and working with venture capitalists to, to tell our story and, you know, our vision. So I'm a little bit of everything. <laughs> and of course, of course, I had some, you know, um, questions like, you know, can I do this? Like, you know, I didn't do it before. Like my experience was in in banking and in a larger company. Um, so I, I did have you know, to take into account like what were my strengths and where I for sure would, was going to run into challenges. But I still believe that I had more to offer uh, than I had to lose in some ways. And and that's kind of um, made my decision of, you know, say like, hey, look, I'm, I'm passionate about entrepreneurship. I do believe like entrepreneurship is going to be a solution to all the challenges that we face in our current society and if you don't take action and if you don't try like you know no one is going to do it for you so um after you know i also i mean i've worked i mentioned you know i worked on like 18 different acquisitions from a couple of million to billion dollars um i've also you know i i got promoted quite fast i grew with silicon valley bank before so i know that i've also had different um expertise and skills that you know were proven in the past so I was, I've been good at what I'm doing. That's, that's what I mean. And so all of that knowledge, I knew I could leverage it and, um, and put that to work with Kaiko. How did you, yeah. because one thing that a lot of people come back us with is like, how do you even get to choose, right? Like, let's say I want to either start my own company or join a startup. Yeah. Um, people get kind of mentally paralyzed to even put the stake in the ground and say, I really want to do, you know, kind of the yeah. Bloomberg for digital assets, right? I mean, coming from obviously, you know, well, well established, amazing, fast growth, corporate career. A lot of people just get paralyzed and say, I don't want to do this. Maybe, 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 maybe not. And then they basically, you know, 20 years after they, they didn't make any action, right? Like, how did you even say like, you know, this is a company, this is an industry, this is the type of role that I want to, would have taken the ground and then kind of invest my time in this um, versus waiting again, right? Yeah. <laughs> you know, for the next opportunity. <laughs> I think this is a very good question. Um, and this where, you know, I, I believe in two things. First um, is that, you know, if, if you have the passion of doing something, you know, you really want to make a change. And by this, I mean, like, it's true. Like, you know, this, in the, the bottom of your heart in a way that, you know, like you have a, a vision and you're convinced that this is the right thing to do. And then you put yourself in an environment that, you know, where you, you're highly likely to become successful. And what I mean by that is like, you know, even if I didn't know everything about, you know, digital assets, how to become, you know, how do you grow a startup that's, um, you know, pre-series A, 
I do know that I have a lot of allies and I know people who will help me, you know, fill the gaps. So I know my strengths and I know where I, I still, you know, need to learn and improve. And I know that for those gaps, I have like some really good allies that I can reach out to and that will help me um, move forward. So I would only say that, you know, if, if you have something you want to do and you're convinced that this will, you know, make a difference, that's what you want to to do. Just, I would just recommend, like, think about a good good group of people or like allies that you can uh, tap into if to, to, you know, kind of reassure you if, if you're scared or just things through like, Hey, it, it's okay. You know, you, you cannot know everything. Like you will never know everything, but if you know that you have the good direction, the good vision, and you know, people who can help you like reach that direct, that, um, that objective, I think you should go for it. That's really beautifully put. I think that, uh, I mean, my observation of careers and I guess just I'm from San Francisco and I've like been around and worked like a few, a few at, at a few different companies and uh, seen that at a big corporation, like maybe like a Google or like a Facebook, that the work doesn't seem like it matters as much. And uh, that, yeah, that making decisions to to do what you're passionate about is is not just uh, um, a thing for like it's not I, I'd say I mean, doing that is, I guess saying it's not always about the money or like the paycheck or it's more about like your happiness or like your, your really, um, your, your drive to, to do what you love. And I think I loved how you brought up uh, the environment too, but I was also wanting to ask, uh, what, what was it like shifting like your, your day-to-day work from a investor sort of hat, you know, where you, you, <laughs> you're being like the, uh, the judge or like the, the, the decision maker to, to allocate, capital to the person who is asking for capital now and uh it's very interesting you're like the way i see it is like as a banker like at silicon valley bank you know that banks 65 percent of startups that i've raised vc money i felt like i was a partner like i was an ally you know to startups to raise money then i moved to vmware and in corporate venture it's true like i was working on financial due diligence so you know assessing if a startup um, is, is healthy. There is no red flag before we invest basically in a company or buy a company. And in this sense, yes, I was on the other side of the table, like, you know, assessing if this startup is, is worthy or not. Um, and, and, and now <laughs> I'm on the other side was like, I am building or creating value and, um, I need capital to, you know, accelerate the growth and, and take this project to like, uh, the finish line and, and to be successful. Uh, it is very different um how do how do you think about that what i love about you know in terms of like you were asking about my day-to-day as you know when you're a vc you think Mm -hmm. about the portfolio of companies so it's a very like you're going to help on a very specific topic on a very like specific moment but you don't have like the continuity and you have a very limited way of action in the way because you just you give you know advice to the people uh leading the boat you're right um when you're like when you're in the startup first is like you have a sense of freedom of and of ownership that's uh very interesting just going back to your previous question like you know freedom and ownership um and feel that people you know rely on you and you cannot let them now and you have their back is a very powerful um fuel you know of motivation and in the sense like you know my day-to-day as it being part of a startup is very different in the sense that I know what are like the key axes, you know, development axes I want to focus on, but then you're always in the action. So you think about like, oh, I should do this. Or, you know, like there is this that I could put in place. Um, And then 
Um, yeah, so on my day to day today, it's a very different, like, you know, what motivates me today is a, it's just a different purpose, you know, like I see all the actions um, that I have, like I can see the, the direct impact within the startup, whereas like before it was very uh, succinct, right? I would give an advice to a startup or help them in some ways, but I wouldn't have like the full circle. I wouldn't have full visibility or wouldn't have a way of action. Whereas mm -hmm. like as a startup, like if you have an idea, you see the potential, you just go into it. And that value that you create is very, um, it's a sense of freedom. It's very interesting. Like I work a lot, it's true. But yeah. in this, in the way, like it's for a purpose and for a vision. And, and I'm telling you, like, I do believe that entrepreneurship is a way to, um, the entrepreneur mindset, I would say, is a way to solve a lot of problems. Like, you know, if everyone sees a problem, identifies it and like start thinking about the solution and how to implement that, if you manage to like develop that mindset to a lot of people, like think about everything we could put in place. It's, it's, it's just a huge the LOD, the, you know, talking about environment, you know, we'd love yep. to get to know kind of your personal history and, you know, how did, how did you get that? Right. Because a lot of people are kind of saying, you know, I just wasn't trained to be an entrepreneur, you know, maybe stability is how I was trained. Mm -hmm. like, but uh, I mean, is there moments in your, uh, you know, in your life that you realize like, actually I, I have this, right. Like I can take risks. I can do things beyond like, you know, is that they come from college or how you grew up or exposure when you're young, mm -hmm. like, Tell us more about like, you know, how did you end up, you know, at least cultivating this, uh, you know, in your life? Yes. Um, I'll tell you something. Like I was not born an entrepreneur. <laughs> um, and, and to be honest, Silicon Valley definitely helped me uh, understand better what it means and, and see like the full potential, if, if I can say this uh, in a very humble way. Um, I grew up, I, I had a Kind of, I would say like until I was 21, until I moved to Silicon Valley, I had a very logical, um, you know, education. Like I went to like top school. I did studied mathematics, which is kind of, uh, you know, highly recognized in France. And then I went to prepa, which is also like kind of the, the best way to get into like top business or engineer school. So I had a very logical way to getting there. And then I went to business school in France and um, I came to Silicon Valley for an internship initially. And, and, to be completely honest, like, okay, I think like I was entrepreneur in the, in the sense like, yes, I, you know, I came to Silicon Valley when I was 21 from France and I didn't know anyone and I didn't speak very good English. The person who gave me like the, gave me the internship told me that, you know, you were so motivated <laughs> that I really, you know, wanted to give you a chance. And I had some good ideas, but um, I, I didn't have everything in my favor. Let's put it that way. So I would say like, I was a little bit maybe entrepreneur in that sense. Like, you know, I was the, the, go and, and you know get this done and go and get it uh, kind of person but I didn't fully realize or understand that if you have this attitude and you surround yourself with people who have the same attitudes and who are like I would say generous and will help you you know like help you brainstorm on your project idea or help you by the network um, that this can go actually extremely far and it took me you know I would say five six years in Silicon Valley to fully understand that like seeing people was just coming to Silicon Valley with an idea and just finding the right people, like the right co-founder, the right, you know, investor, VC or something else to help you, you know, think through your business plan, uh, business model. How do you grow your company? Think about like the risk, like have like a, a full vision um, of your startup. I think I learned that in Silicon Valley. Wow. Yeah. That mindset. I, I want to chime in and say, is, is the word entrepreneur French? Does it derive from? Yes, I what? believe so. To in France or like, do you know, 
I mean, I'm sure I, I, everybody, it's the same thing, right? But I mean, just coming to the root yeah. of the does it have like some, some special, um, is there a way you could break that down? Meaning. Yes. Uh, so it comes from the verb entreprendre, uh-huh. which is to start something, basically. Okay. And so an entrepreneur is someone who starts start something could be like yeah a new project um but then like the the values or you know when you the meaning today behind entrepreneurship or entrepreneur i think is very much correlated actually of you know the idea of like an entrepreneur in silicon valley there's a huge influence i think silicon valley has changed um in a lot of ways like how people think about entrepreneurship in in the world just like you know all the capability of like someone starting in the garage and building one of like you know the largest company in the world that definitely you know um, inspired a lot of people. So today, when you say entrepreneur, you, you do think about, you know, like right, these yeah. guys in Silicon Valley who started in the 80s or 90s. Um, but yeah, it comes from uh, to start start something, entreprendre. Wow, that's, yeah, <laughs> now with that. But uh, going back into, you know, question prior to that one, you had mentioned that you had been, you moved from Europe, right? Uh, France yeah. to Palo Alto or like Bay Area. How, how did, uh, I mean, that's a big leap of faith, right? Like, I mean. Like- yeah, moving <laughs> 10,000 kilometers away from home. Um, yeah, it's pretty far. I have to say, you know, this is a, a good thing. Like um, it was in, it was an opportunity that I got, you know, school said like, hey, if you want your degree, like to graduate in France from your master's degree in business school, you need to spend at least six months in another country, a non-French speaking country in this case. And um, I had a few friends, like some friends were at NASA, some others were like covering the innovation piece of one of the, the top like French journal. Another one was like a math school teacher in San Francisco. So there were three, three of my good friends were in San Francisco. And so I, you know, went to visit them in vacation and thought like, hey, I will look for a job at the same time. Um, so I started to connect, engage with people, have a feel of like, you know, what is this Silicon Valley, you know, like hype is all about. And talking to people, I really understand that there is like a vibe in Silicon Valley that I cannot explain and really like foster that willing of, you know, if you have an idea, just go and do it. You know, there's nothing really preventing you. Um, One thing to go back to your question, Earl, what, you know, if it's entrepreneurship is kind of like born or made. Um, I had this glass ceiling before moving to Silicon Valley that I had from education from uh you know school but also what i received like you know france is not super yeah. it's very risk adverse like if you look at like the total yeah. of savings per person in france is one of the biggest in the world so i definitely had this you know from an education point of view is like don't take too really good feel about that first observe before you you try anything and what silicon valley like taught me is like you know okay try it if you fail like what's going to happen you know if if it's if you think about it and you estimate the risk and just do it try it if you fail it's okay and i think that's something about silicon valley i know i'm sure it's been you know said a lot of times but i i truly like i live that like going to silicon valley seeing all these people like just with an idea like trying failing sometimes but then starting again and, and starting a new venture and still like yeah not stopping um i thought that i found that super inspiring and so when it came to my time to say like, okay, I spent nine years in Silicon Valley. Now I feel like I've, I've learned enough and I've seen, you know, that it's possible. I'll try to do it my, myself with a startup. That's yeah. Really well said. I think that, uh, uh, Silicon Valley is, uh, it's, it's, it's grown so much like in the past five years, just, um, the way people can kind of perceive it digitally and just so much, it's, it's hard to put, <laughs> put, put, <laughs> around it and it's mind-boggling how, how crazy this uh piece of real estate is in the world 
since since now you're in France, do you feel like, or I mean, I know it's a we're in a virtual world right now, right? So there's not much <laughs> interaction. Do you think that Silicon Valley has lost? A, I mean, maybe lost some of its luster, and do you think that uh, you don't that there isn't as much of an obstacle uh, being in a different country? Um, with with uh, your startup and um, in terms of like uh, the needing to be in Silicon Valley versus just doing Zooms mm-hmm. or whatever medium you want. I would say that, you know, one thing that I really enjoyed, um, one thing I haven't mentioned is, you know, I, I took a few classes at Stanford and I also like became a mentor in the Stanford Latino Entrepreneur um, oh. program. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. One thing I, I really enjoyed and by being in Silicon Valley physically, but that's, you know, before COVID is really like, you meet really talented people everywhere. You know, like even if you go to a bar, you know, like you go, um, there's just this like very informal and easy way to talk to anyone in, in Silicon Valley or San Francisco that I really enjoyed. And so it's true that being, you know, remote, you cannot really do that. However, the good thing is, you know, people, adapt <laughs> that's a good part and so i'm still you know in touch with um I, I was also an advisor to startup embassy which is a huge community of like 2000 plus entrepreneurs worldwide um who foster you know like innovation and new ideas so i've found like ways to adapt and, and still be part of like really interesting conversations and very you know uh, be in contact or be in touch with inspiring people people who are who have this entrepreneurial spirit you know like just have an idea like and try to find a solution and and go and, and get it um so i've tried to find ways to to go around this but i would say like yeah it's still like a very unique um position to be in when you are in silicon valley and, and are able to when you're surrounded by like a lot of talents a lot of people who want to have an impact and who have in a, a similar mindset but with covid to be honest yeah i don't think it makes a huge difference today i'm curious about the future though yeah same here yeah yeah i i, I mean um, I'm 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 there right now. <laughs> I live in like San Francisco, <laughs> and I drove downtown yesterday, and uh, there weren't many people. And uh, it's uh, I mean I got used to it after like a few months of doing that, but it's just so much crazy <laughs> since the city's normally crowded, and there's like every, I know everybody's rushing, and like it's so loud. But I mean it's it's different now. Um, I think something I'm also wondering is like what's the uh, startup vibe in France like? Uh, 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 in terms of, uh, you know, it's, it's huge. I've, you know, because it's, I mean, I go, I, even if I was in Silicon Valley for almost nine years, I was going home like every year. So I've seen really like the startup scene, um, exploding, like since 2014, like you've seen like way more investments, like from a capital perspective, like you have way more venture capitalist funds that have opened, um, in France or are investing now in France. You've seen like the number of startups, um, you know, exploding, we're close to like 10,000 startups uh, within France, which I think is more than Germany in terms of like number of startups. So there's definitely like a very fertile ecosystem for startups in France today. Um, You have people who really, you know, you have a lot of like very smart people. You have top engineers, um, you know, some of the top engineers in the world are in France. We have some really good school. You have people who actually have this willingness of uh, finding solutions to like existing, existing challenges. And now you have like capital. So yeah. with good school, you know, good talent, mm-hmm. uh, people who have that entrepreneur spirit and mindset, um, and also resources, financial resources in some ways and accelerators, people, you know, who, who a little bit like me, like spend some time like outside of the country and learn some stuff and just are going home to try to nurture this and, and share uh, what we have learned 
I think that's very, um, you know, there's like a, a positive emulation that will come out of this and creating a very fertile environment. So I'm very, um, you know, optimistic. I'm not sure if that's the sense of your question or if you had something yeah, else. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think because uh, that's something that we, we always get asked, right? Like, you know, um, you know, the startup mindset is not necessarily the Silicon Valley mindset, right? It's we feel that Correct. You know, anybody can discover their startup mindset no matter where they grew up in or their backgrounds. Um, and that's why it's very interesting to see that, you know, where the, uh, you know, as you mentioned, the culture generally before was very conservative, but uh, the mm -hmm. origin of the word of entrepreneur is, <laughs> right? So, you know, maybe it's very catching true. up. Yeah, it, it's catching up to, 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 to its, its uh, you know, its destiny, right? Yes. Uh, so that's why it's pretty amazing. That's why, you know, Dan and I always have this conversation of like, you know, not necessarily Silicon Valley, you know, going to be defunct, but literally can the elements of Silicon Valley now thrive in other places, especially post-COVID, right? Where, you know, people now yes. are more diversified than, you know, and people can do cross-border businesses. Absolutely. Yeah, so that's yeah, something that's You're absolutely right. Yeah. I, I completely agree. I think, you know, like Silicon Valley was uh, great and I think was really like a key milestone in, in our history to define like what does it mean to be innovative and what does it mean to start your own business? And it just it just proved like, you know, some um, pretty amazing opportunities and way to do business. But I do believe that there is an evolving um, model in some ways and that today with the different, you know, a digital work workplace in a way of like a, a, a very um, evolving way of like doing business and doing work where I think a lot of companies, you know, have maybe changed their, their way of, um, you know, not being physically present in San Francisco, but being now maybe in Austin, in Texas, in other states within the U.S. that are really attractive. I, I do believe that there will be a way to having this startup mindset really spread out. And, you know, people, you know, with your podcast, for example, like people really thinking like, this is super important. Like, what does it mean for some people to, to start a business? What is, what kind of values, like, how do you do that? I think by spreading the world, um, we'll definitely be able to, to expand. And it's not just uniquely to Silicon Valley, but you can have this in other places in the world. Yeah, that's, that's really, um, a good point. And, uh, just want to ask one more or a few more questions here, but in terms of like sure. when it comes to running the like day-to-day -day business and working with the uh, CEO and like the small team that you guys are, how has that been? I mean, just, uh, uh, I don't know if you, you know, France's like restrictions on meeting people, I mean, mm -hmm. being, but what is it like just being a part of a growing company that's, that's just virtual? Like, is it, um, how, just tell us about how, what's it, what it's like, uh, in, um, I'm not going to lie. It's challenging. You know, like, it's very funny. But when I took the job, I had never met my my CEO in person. I never met the team. Um, I moved to Paris. I didn't see my apartment before I moved in. So it was a lot of virtual, like virtual job, virtual place. Um, and that was, it's true. Like, there is something about meeting people, you know, in person and to build trust. I think trust is the center of, um, you know, any kind of business or any kind of project that you're running with people. Like, if you don't trust each other, um that's that's really i don't know how you can you know create something really valuable out of this so building trust is definitely a little bit harder when you don't meet people in person um i was remote for the first two months um but it still works you know it's just you need to to get better organized you need to acknowledge that you have to 
to take that element into consideration and, and try to compensate for it. So meaning, you know, how do you get to know people? Ask, um, you know, I'm managing a team now. Um, we're also like on different time zones. We have an office in Paris, but also in New York and in Tokyo. So how do you, um, yeah. So how do you work basically um, with a, a broader team that's, you know, also very di diverse, which I, which is one of the things I really like at Kaiko. So you need to take that into consideration, but um, it's organization and just being uh, candid and humble and, you know, listening to people is always super important. Um, so yeah, humility, basically being a good, good listener and, and you have to schedule uh, interactions. So, you know, something that would be normally around like coffee or lunch, we yeah. can have a, a lot of like in-person and completely um, natural, I would say, you know, conversations. You need to create that environment, which is, I'm not going to lie, it's harder virtually, but you can still do it. That's pretty cool. Yeah, no, no, no. I think, uh, you know, um, we definitely learned a lot. So, I mean, I know I'll, I'll ask kind of my my two uh, main questions in the end, right? Like, you know, <laughs> uh, but then maybe start with the first one, which is, you know, I mean, if you had to summarize your own personal startup mindset, in one to two mm -hmm. sentences, um, you know, how will you explain that to someone listening to you? Um, that's a very good question. One or two sentences. I would say startup mindsets, I would put this into three bullet points. Sure, um, sure. That's two, fine too. Yeah, it's not I would try. Excuse me, to make two sentences, I'll do three bullet points. Uh, the first one is like to always keep your, what I would call like a, beginner's mindset, meaning, you know, always be curious about your environment, um, always stay humble, like don't think you're an expert, always ask, you know, people their view and how they think about it, uh, something so you can always learn. And if you're constantly learning, I think that's, that's mm -hmm. super important. So you can better adapt to your environment. So a beginner's mindset is really important. Um, the second thing is, uh, you know, to be comfortable with the uncertainty. Um, a lot of people don't take action. And I think that's where there's a key difference between entrepreneurs and, and uh, people who kind of like wait and see is like a lot of people who are uncomfortable with uncertainty, they just don't do anything. Just wait and see until they have visibility. Um, when you are when you have an entrepreneur mindset, it's like, it's okay. You don't know what's going to happen. No one does. <laughs> you know, I can tell you that much, um, but you're okay with that and you will still move forward and, and take action. And I think that's really important in the, an entrepreneurial mindset. So, you know, first beginner's mindset, second is just accept to be uncomfortable with uncertainty and, and take action. So move forward. And then the third bullet point um, would be around like a, I'm, I'm not sure if you're familiar with, you know, like the, the growth mindset versus like a fixed mindset. Mm -hmm. um, so really have like this growth mindset. So there's nothing like set in stone, you know, going back to like, is entrepreneurship like born or made? Um I would say it's a little bit of both, but it's mainly made like your environment, people like you choose to be surrounded by um, can teach you a lot. So having a growth mindset, uh, being, you know, really into like, you know, you can really fill any gap, like anything you want, you put up your, your mind towards, like any goal you put yourself towards, like just like go for it. Um, and so having this growth mindset and appreciating the journey and surrounding yourself with people who can like teach you a lot um, is definitely important. Yeah, no, I think that's that's always here. I, I really like also your kind of the beginner's mindset. I think uh, it's one of the first time we've heard of it, but I think it it's spot on, right? Like just this curiosity, 
you know, and, mm-hmm. and not necessarily thinking that despite you have all the experience, right? Like you basically say, you know what, I, I need to ask more questions. So I think that's good. Um, so I'm going to go to my, 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 at least my, my last question before I hand it over to Dan <laughs> to, to wrap it up is, you know, I guess, um, you know, uh, you know, tell, tell us about like, how will you give advice to yourself? You know, you, you didn't go yet to Silicon Valley. You're 20 years old. You're in France, right? What advice would you give yourself at the time in order to discover and solidify uh, your startup mindset in the future? Mm-hmm. Sure. That's a really good question. Um, I, I would give an, an advice to myself. I would say, you know, that glass ceiling I was telling you about that I didn't even know yeah. was there. <laughs> I would just say, um, I would, I would tell myself to, to trust myself more. I think when you start in your career, you always doubt yourself. You think like, hey, am I good enough for this? You know, or, oh, I don't know about this. Um, it, it's very, I wasn't comfortable with uncertainty at all at this time. I would say that like, just trust yourself. If you feel that something feels right, just go for it. And, um, you know, it's it's very rare that there's something that you cannot, you know, undo. So I would say like, take more risk and for things that you believe in that are, you know, worth uh, your time and effort. So mainly that, like, trust yourself and then also be maybe a little bit less um, less hard on yourself. You know, I think we always, like, I'm, I'm mm-hmm. very, um, I care about everything I do. Like, if I put time and effort into something, like, I care about people, uh, people, you know, I work with, people I work for. If I take on a new project, like, I have a sense of ownership. Um, and sometimes, like, you know, we're a little bit too hard on ourselves when you want to do things, like, really well. Um, sometimes just say like, Hey, look, you're doing your best. Um, and, and, you know, you commit to something, you do your best and then it will be okay. You know, like, and, and not beat yourself up because like it was not perfect the way you wanted it. So as you start your career, like trust yourself, take more risk, uh, be comfortable with the uncomfortable <laughs> and also, uh, be kind to yourself. I think that you will need that, you know, to, to grow and evolve into like a, a beautiful person later. So. Yeah, that's really well put. I think I just had a random pop-up question that came in and I think I think about this sometimes is that uh, how, I mean, do you think that um, your your work uh, as, um, or your time spent in entrepreneurship is, um, does it have sort of these side effects into how you live your regular day life? Like I, I realize that now that work and life are really intertwined and that <laughs> you, I work. Very true place that been like I watch TV and hang out with friends and everything's just happening from the same place and there's not that division of okay this is an office and um because it's an office I only do work here and I guess we don't really have offices anymore <laughs> so I was just wondering do you feel like you're, you're I mean just in general your work with uh Kaiko and um what you've seen has mm-hmm. I guess shaped or like maybe changed the way you do your regular day life? I think what I'm trying to say. Compared to before? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, uh, how has entrepreneurship changed your life personally? Mm-hmm. Yes, I would say, so to be completely honest, like, I think it's a mix of also, like, you know, the, the impact of COVID and, like, how we worked today. Um, you know that, like, you know, I would say 8 to 6 p.m., you know, like, day job that we used to have, and that started, I think, with Fordism, like, where you had to go and badge every day, and everyone had to be at the same time, at the same place um, yeah. for work. Um, I definitely feel with Kaiko, but I also felt that a little bit with my previous job, and COVID just, you know, enhanced that feeling that it's not 
the same anymore. Like I can, I can work um, asynchronously. Uh, I have some, you know, other teams like today with Kaiko in Japan. So it's like early in the morning and then with New York. So it's like later at night um, okay. where basically um, it's true that my, my personal life, my work life, or, you know, um, definitely they, they work end in hand. And so I have to find like a, my a balance that worked for me. Like I, I'm big into running. Like I do believe that you also need to find like the, the right, um, you know, personal professional life balance is super important. And that's something that's we've, we value at Kaiko and that's something I want definitely to also reflect. Like I think to, when you say something, if you don't do it, like it's not as meaningful or doesn't have as much value. So that's what I tell to everyone in the company is that you need to find like your, you know, your, the balance that works for you. I'm finding this for myself too. And that means by, you know, having the flexibility of, you know, maybe I take this call like early on, but then I go for running, you know, like I go for a run for an hour. It's really finding a balance that works for you. And that's what I like within the startup life is like, you know, you have a, I don't know, I would say like a certain freedom in some ways that, you know, it's, I'm very result oriented and I want to deliver like, you know, high quality work and that's what I do. Uh, but I also understand that I need to be, to be at my best. I also need like to have this balance and I find it in, in my everyday life. So there's not one day that, you know, resembled the, the previous or the next one, um, which is also what I like. That's amazing. Yeah. Just curious. Do you uh, do long distance running or like what, what, like um, what's your average? <laughs> so it depends like i thought i thought i'm doing fine but then i talked to people who do like ironmans and you know like really long distance <laughs> runnings and um i'm just kidding but i do like i don't know between like 10 and 20k per week 20 kilometers per week so it's decent it's not like you know i'm not like a i run half marathons so i don't do full marathons no like super long distances but it's a uh, it's what i need to you know i know um yeah keep my balance awesome yeah i think one more question here is that um what uh, um, what books or like what, um, I guess resources do you think had an impact mm -hmm. in your life? Um, we don't even have to keep this into like business stuff. Like uh, just in general, like for me, I'm yeah. a measure, and you know, I'm just always curious what people read. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, there's one book like for people who are thinking about like starting their business or being, you know, you have this new word called and uh, like entrepreneurs so being an entrepreneur within like a large company um and so this this book called um scaling up excellence by ugi rao he's like a, an emeritus uh, professor at stanford uh, that's a really good book basically it talks about like a lot of different ways when you do business like it touches on you know sure like your business plan business model but also how do you think about like the 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 image that you want your business business to have um, also top think about like some management style and how do you get this sense of ownership? Like how do you create this sense of ownership as you grow your business? Because I do believe that, you know, it's, it's amazing. I'm super happy to be part of a startup. My goal is like, and that's one of the re reasons why I took this job is like, I want this startup mindset to, to remain, even if the company grows, right? We want to be a billion dollar business, but we also want to keep the values and the startup mindset with, you know, ownership and caring for each other within creating this like safe environment for everyone to, to evolve and, you know, take risk um, and be comfortable with the uncomfortable with, within this like safety net. Uh, but that's really hard as you grow a business and start hiring, you know, massively and expand to new new geographies. It's it's really hard. So this book I found super interesting in the sense that it touches on, you know, some sure like business aspect, but also like how do you maintain this mind this mindset? How do you grow your company while keeping your values? How do you think about a management style that will um, enable you to to be successful, and also keep your your employees happy? Yeah. So how can how can people uh, find Kaiko or 
the work that you do there? I mean, um, what's the best way for them to uh, sort of like the, um, follow the journey? Yeah, um, thanks. First, like, you know, anyone who's listening and we love to engage further, talk about Kaiko or, you know, other other ways you can find me on LinkedIn, Elodie Demarchi. Um, Kaiko is at, you know, www.kaiko.com. And so we post, you know, weekly fact sheets. Um, we have some extensive research with the MIT, with uh, UPenn, with Princeton. We like recently announced some partnership with uh, Thomson Reuters Refinitiv, also uh, with the Dojons Factiva, where basically um, we publish our our research on a weekly and monthly basis. So you can find this on our website. And I'm happy to provide you know anyone with uh, further details if you are a trader, basically, or institutional investor, and you need data for your trading strategy, or if you're uh, working in academia, and same for your research, you need data um, from crypto or any kind of like digital asset markets, I'll be more than happy to connect and, um, you know, have a quick conversation uh, on that, on that regard. That does it for the podcast. Thanks, Elodie, for, you know, your time. And uh, we learned a lot. And uh, yeah, I mean, it was a good time. Thank you, Elodie. Thanks so much, both. That was awesome. That does it for another episode of Story Mindset's podcast. Uh, if you like what you heard, subscribe and leave us a review on Apple or um, anywhere that you're listening to this too. I did want to say that we just started a Substack newsletter, so if you would like to stay in the loop of what we've got going on, follow us at startupmindsets.substack.com. And uh, yeah, have a good one.